Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, Bonnie Arslanian. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm good. It's we're recording on Father's Day. <laughs> we are. We are. Which is great. I'm actually very happy with it. I think, uh, you know, my husband's watching some Formula One race because he enjoys that thing. Mm-hmm. And like on the TV, or he's actually he records it. I think. Oh, okay. Because they're kind of all over the world. I don't really know. Um, I mean, I like fast cars. I'm not going to lie, but oh yeah, I I kind of. I don't know. I just, my attention span is, it, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. Yeah. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever watched like a car race <laughs> ever. There like was, like okay, Formula so, One or like NASCAR or any of that. I've never seen any of that. Yeah. I don't think I have in person ever, but I will say there is a documentary series on Netflix about Formula One. It is incredible. It's like so I've great. heard that. Yeah. I actually so have I heard about them. that. And I feel like I listened to, it was like an episode of Smartless with one of the drivers yes. that I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, okay. Exactly. They were cute. Um, okay. So, well, I only have a ROM this week and I've decided okay. that my ROM, I was going to look for a small piece of like poetry or something because, you know, sometimes it's just, it's the inspiration that helps. So this is called Stardust by Lang Leave. And it's just like a little excerpt. All right. Okay. It says, if you came to me with a face I have not seen, with a voice I have never heard, I would still know you. Even if centuries separated us, I would still feel you. Somewhere between the sand and the stardust, through every collapse and creation, there is a pulse that echoes of you and I. (gasps) Oh, wow. nice? That's really romantic. It's epic, and I like it. Who that. wrote that poem? Ling Leave. L-E-A-V. Beautiful. Yeah. So Beautiful. I just want to start it off with like a little bit of... A little bit of love, a little bit a of little sparkly A little poetry. Stardust. Well, I was going to say, when I made the joke about the crime, because I didn't actually plan on saying this before we started talking, but I was like, my crime is that my husband won't watch movie musicals with me. Oh, that's a good crime. I mean, that's not cool. Like, 
he just, I mean, and I, we all have different tastes and I understand and respect that. Like, I don't like to watch old basketball clips from the Bulls when Michael Jordan was, you know, on the team and they were good, but good he point. does. Good point. Um, and I just leave the room, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because there's, I just was thinking about it. I'm like, I never watched Tick, Tick, Boom. I never watched Dear Evan Hansen. I, know. I mean, we did get together and watch Hamilton. Oh, so yes, that was we did. But that's like the last time I watched a movie oh musical. Oh my gosh, you really and need to watch. And that's a crime against myself. Yeah, because you you love musicals. I do too. I Let's love do it. them. I Let's love them, it. love them, love them. And then I guess I didn't really think of a rom. So I'll do you be the rom, I'll be the crime as per usual. Well, that's just perfect, isn't it? And it's yeah. just perfect. So I have so many thoughts about the movie that you're I'm so covering excited. today because I just finished watching Did it you, this you morning. Not see, okay, so guys, we're doing The Kissing Booth. It's a 2018 mm-hmm. American teen rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, but had you seen it before? It's I hadn't, no. Available on Netflix. And there's also two other ones. There's The Kissing Booth 2 and 3, which I feel like you, the first one's the one. The rest of them are it? They're okay. fine, but they're, they don't have the same for me, the same like... I don't know, pizzazz or like, I don't know. So Joey King plays like the lead girl in this. Her Mm -hmm. name's Elle. She, I think Joey King makes this movie. She's such a great actor. She's so good and it's so interesting. She makes this movie. Yeah, because she's done so many different types of things as an actress. Because I feel like the first thing that I became aware of her was she did that, um, like based on the true crime series, The Act with Patricia Arquette with... um, I think there it was Gypsy Rose and like Dee Dee Blanchard were their names about the mom that like made her daughter and the world think that she was dying of this horrible cancer to get money and support, but she yeah. wasn't. And then the so daughter killed her mom eventually. Um, and she's awesome in that series yeah. as well. But I hadn't seen this. And I will say I agree with you. I feel like she definitely... She's very like she's interesting to watch, yeah. And she has like uh, they had the movie itself. I felt like had a really great energy to it. But I yeah. also I, I can't wait to go through it with you because I, I had also some serious problems. With well, this of movie. course, for sure. Um, okay, so I'll play you the uh, trailer. We're gonna be late for school. Ninth grade pants and eleventh grade body. Perfect. And that's my best friend, Lee. Oh, is that the wrong color? We've been besties since the day we were born. How have we stayed so close? We have a set of rules. Like rule number two, never tell anyone else our secrets. Or rule number nine, Lee's older brother, Flynn, he's stupid hot, but totally off limits. When did you get the boobs? Oh, and rule number 10, (laughs) never, ever break rule number nine. What an ass. Like, no. You got a little bit of drawer right there in the corner. Right here. Yeah, yeah, you, you want really? Yeah, you, ah. <laughs> okay, the student council is expecting our idea for the fundraiser today. Kissing booth! Would Flynn be working the kissing booth? Absolutely. Flynn will be there. I promise. Flynn filled in the booth. So, will you work the kissing booth? Absolutely not. Awesome. You have zero experience with guys. You've never even had a boyfriend. Whatever. How about a ride? Where's your car? What? I'm not going to get on that thing like one of your makeout girls. They don't all make out with me. Okay, so like 95% of them make out with me. I'll see who it is. Okay, I got it. Why? Is it from a boy? 
excited I had to see you. Here I was thinking I was just your brother's annoying best friend. Yeah, there's that too. Is there something going on between you two? It's not a great trailer, but it doesn't give you a lot. I need a peppier song than this. Yeah. But in life, step right up, ladies and gentlemen. You can either follow the rules or follow your heart. Just need to get your laundry. All right, come in. Hi, honey. Hey, mom. Don't forget, we're going out on Saturday, and I invited the Evanses. Do me a favor, be sweet to Elle. She kind of has a crush on you. All right, so there you go. There's the trailer. And oh my gosh, you know what I just put together in my head? I was thinking as I was watching the second half of the movie this morning, I was like, they're doing a lot of like throwbacks to the Breakfast Club with the music, like the prom and stuff. And then, oh yeah, duh, Molly Ringwald is in the movie. She (laughs) is. That all makes sense now. Noah and Lee's mom. Um, I'm just looking for my notes here. So this is great. So here we go. There will be spoilers. Of course. Because there's some things that I feel like I'm going to honor this movie and not spoil. Like, uh, you know, Fire Island, I tried to keep some of it, you know. But mm-hmm. with this one... That I, movie had only been out for like four days. Exactly. This has been out for four years. There you so. go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> That's the truth. Okay, so we, we got two best friends that were born on the same day, Lee and mm-hmm. Elle. And their moms were best friends. And Molly Ringwald plays Lee's mom. And they were essentially raised as twins. So throughout the years, they played together. They danced, danced revolution together at mm-hmm. the Santa Monica Pier. Nonetheless, this takes place in Los Angeles, which is kind of fun because you can see, you know, there's little... But also one of my points of contention with this movie that I'll tell you about later. <laughs> oh, I'm is, sure because... Is the- it's not the Los Angeles of it all. I'm yeah. like, mm-mm, yeah, mm-mm. yeah. No, it's true. And I know that they did not shoot it in Los Angeles, like they did the exteriors. But anyways, um, so at six years old, these two best friends make up rules for each other, and of course, the most important one to know is no boning each other's relatives. Um, Which is weird that six year olds. Yeah, they're came like, up you can't that. have sex with anyone in my family, okay? <laughs> Just remember that when you're old enough. Yeah. <laughs> Elle's mom dies, which is really sad. And I will say, Joey King, she, she like is that kind of actor who you believe. Like, I mm-hmm. appreciate her in this movie because I feel like sometimes when people do modern rom-coms, they just find somebody who's really pretty or, and is a decent actor. But like for me to really enjoy a movie, I need to feel pain and I can feel the pain through right. Elle. And, and anyways, so her mom passes away during this time. She discovers herself. It's like, she's growing up. She likes sports. She likes hanging out. She's kind of a tomboy, which I hate that word, but like, she's, you know, she's just a kid who's not um too obsessed with being like, Feminine for guys or anything, you know, like, fuck that. Anyways, so, um, okay, so it's the first day of junior high school. And during the summer, she's blossomed into a lady and she splits her private school pants, forcing her to Mm -hmm. wear last year's skirt, which was teeny teensy weensy. And as she's walking, I mean, you can essentially you can see her butt. It's fun. It's funny because this is not this. The Kissing Booth is not ever going to be on kids Netflix like this is an adult type movie. You know, anyways, you see her undies. This guy, this jock guy named Tuppen slaps her ass um, and Lee's brother, the older brother, the very hot Noah, Jacob Elordi. Yes, plays Noah. He kicks his ass and they all get detention together. And and Tuppen is still trying to kind of 
get Elle's number. Elle's very upset because she's kind of, she's, you know, part of the student council. She, she's not used to getting in trouble. This is a big deal for her. But anyways, Tuppen passes her a note. He's like, can I get your number, please? Come on. She passes him a note back with a dare in which he comes back into the detention room wearing the short skirt in which her little booty was slapped from. Um, Mm -hmm. making fun of himself and pleasing Elle, you know? So she decides to go on a date with him, but the fucker stands her up. Only later to find out that Noah, Lee's brother, threatened him and apparently has been bullying guys to not date Elle for like almost a year now. Why? Bullshit. Protective older brother, maybe? Or just... I don't know. Just like a controlling possessive freak? That's what it feels like. Um, or yeah. I guess the, really the point is like maybe as like a little bit of a crush And that's on fine her. too. And I think that's what it, we're supposed to. But it it just, even like the fight, listen, I don't think it's cool to have like a guy fight for you, but there is those like instinct, you know, there's a reason the, this, these kind of tropes are in movies and books a lot. It's like, right. he beat up this guy for me. Okay. So then, and also in yeah. his defense in that moment, like, that dude really had inappropriately like I grabbed it. her bottom yeah. and Lee, her friend and Noah's brother was actually the one that like tried to stand up for her and he was about That's to get right. pounded. That's right. Yeah. And then Noah kind of intervened because yeah. Noah's a ginormous man. Yeah. Well, and I will say also when I was in high school, I don't think this happens. I hope this doesn't happen so much, but like people used to grab asses all the time. It was much more like in the nineties is when I was in high school and I would, I would, just turn around and punch somebody. I like, I had clocked a couple people in the face because Good for you. I've been, because of that, my, I ha, I guess I had just a supple 17 year old ass that people couldn't keep their hands off of. And so I would and just like punch And that's your him. ass. That's no one else's. No one's else's ass. I mean, I remember getting, uh, de-pantsed on like, Oh my God. Yeah. There's some bullshit that happened in that school, but you know, things that would not fly anymore, which is good. Uh, but anyways, so then Lee and Elle, so they are both on city student council. They're pitching a kissing booth for a fundraiser for their club. Essentially, this is kind of so Lee can get a kiss from one of the hot girls. They're also known as the OMG girls. But the problem is that they cannot get anyone to be like the kissers in the booth. So mm-hmm. they're like texting everybody, uh, you know, and these hot OMG girls are like, you need to get Noah, that hottie. Everybody wants him. He's it's, he's the hottest, whatever. So after the drunken night at Noah's house party, Elle promises all the girls, or the, all the girls that Noah's going to do it and all the guys that the OMG hot girls are going to do it. So it's kind of a little bit of a lie. She has a crazy night. She gets too drunk. She tries to strip and eventually is carried off by Noah, waking up only the next morning in his bed. And there's a moment where she's like, and this is where... I, I appreciate the humor, but it's also a little bit like, ooh. Uh, she's like, underwear still on. Okay, that's a good sign. You know, like she wakes right, up and is like, bed. oh, Jesus. But he slept in the guest room. He's, you know, he was the perfect gentleman just trying to keep her safe from the other people who Predators. Yes, yes. Okay, so the kissing booth goes well until Noah is meant to participate, but he won't do it. And so Lee takes his place. And this upsets the OMG girls. They're pissed. Um, A classmate, Rachel, steps up to kiss Lee. And the two leave Elle to staff the booth. So they kind of, there's this moment where all the girls are like, ew, Lee's disgusting. Although he's adorable. He's He's adorable. He's just not his big brother. Yeah. Um, And then another girl. So so they go off and they're kind of having like this little flirty fun moment. And Elle's by herself. Um, And the girls, the OMG girls are 
annoyed and mad at Elle, so they set her up to kiss someone who's gross. But, because mm-hmm. she's the only one manning the booth, right? And also, by the way, she's never kissed anybody. And at the last second, Noah gets in there and kisses the blindfolded Elle. And when she realizes Noah has kissed her, they kiss again in front of everyone. And again and again and again. And Lickety one split. of the things about the kissing booth scene to me, I thought it was both kind of delightful in, you know, like the laughing yeah. and the fun. But also I was like, wow. That's like some serious like intimacy on display it's for your true. entire I mean and everyone's doing it though but I was yeah. just like maybe the world is just different now where it's like, it's like kids it. are kids are more open <laughs> to just like passionately make out with people in front well, of their classmates probably not but it is also one thing that like occurred to me it was like their first sort of uh foray into uh, the world of prostitution. I don't know. You know, it's like, here's, here's <laughs> money it. for some sexual contact yes. in front of everybody. I mean, maybe not, but it still made me laugh <laughs> inside. So, okay. So the kissing booth, yes, went well, fine. They kiss in front of everybody. Noah offers Elle a ride home on his motorcycle because he's such a bad boy, you know? Yeah. And there's it starts to rain and the rain forces them to take shelter in a gazebo. And there, Elle kisses him, telling him she cannot be just another sexual conquest, by the way. And he's like, I'm hurt. And he reveals that he has feelings for her. <laughs> Although then a security guard comes up and he's like, is that Flynn? I told you not to, you know, to stop bringing girls over here. And she's like pissed about that, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, this is where you bring the girls to make out in the rain. Yeah, which I'd be like. Because it rains so much in Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess, you know, if it's raining. Mm, I'll take it. <laughs> so then at a beach party, some dudes try to get L. Some dude, some guy tries to get her into this hot tub. And he's kind of weirdly... <laughs> Like yeah, rape, no, he's like dragging her. Yeah. And Noah beats his ass and then Elle escapes. He then catches up to her and he gives her a ride home. Thank you. She can't drive. She's afraid to get her license, which is actually a thing in L.A. A lot of people, a lot of young kids wait to get their license because it's it's not great it's to drive. So in terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's um, terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> so on the way home, he apologizes for his violent reaction and they pull off to the Hollywood sign just to just to talk. This is my problem with okay, this movie. Okay, yeah. Because you can't you just Don't go off. to the beach party. Yeah. And they clearly kind of like, it seems like they live maybe in the Santa Monica-ish area. I think they right? must because they get but down then, there like, for the on the way revolution, home, you know. Like, yeah, and on the, the way pit. home, he's going to swing by the Hollywood sign, which is like far, far from Santa Monica. Exactly, far, right. far, far away. I don't know. I literally couldn't. You're like, it no. It took me out of the moment. I was like, you didn't. That wasn't on your way home. Or even if it was out of your way, that was like a fucking hour out yeah, of your way. That's true. She's like, where are you going? Where are you taking me? Um, so they're looking at the sign and he apologizes to her saying, you think I meant to fall for my brother's best friend? So he's, he's like, I, I like you. So sitting there looking at, he tells her he only comes here alone until now. And she's kind of like, yeah, right. Um, but, you know, Elle's kind of like, well, you're a play, player. Um and and he's and you're crazy and but then he rebuts i'm crazy about you l here's how and then she's like okay shit like she you can tell her she's ready she wants to because she's been pining after him since she was little essentially this is and he's extremely beautiful she says this is how it's gonna go here are the rules because apparently she likes the rules she likes the rules she's like no more fighting no more telling me what to do he's like no problem and then he's like if we do this nobody can know at least until she figures out how to tell her best friend Lee. And she makes him promise, and then they share a kiss. And outdoors in the wild, they have consensual fun. We shouldn't be doing this sex. 
and mm-hmm. they which i'm kind of under like, the mm-hmm. hollywood sign yeah i i I'll, I, I I actually totally can I tell you a, a story real fast? Oh my god, did you have sex? Well, right when we sign? no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> um, I that feels like snakes and uh, lots of stuff. Well, but same. I have gone hiking. I have gone hiking like in the park where you can go up where they basically essentially are. Yeah. I think in reality where they were, you can't actually get that close to the Hollywood sign legally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on a hike with my sister in law, and we came across two people bone. Oh my god. Evan. on the side of the trail That's and i was like so and it was like funny. broad daylight i was like jesus good for you but also like go further off the trail really it's like 2 p.m on a saturday <laughs> oh my god well hey that's so people do have sex over great there I'm saying. that was accurate so yeah so they, they they made the promise but now they're having their like you know dirty secret sex all over the place and so ducking to avoid Noah's mom in his bedroom, she overhears it. She like goes underneath the bed. She overhears his mom saying that, you know, we're celebrating because you're going to Harvard. And that she says, that's when it finally hit me. Noah is leaving for college soon because he's a senior, guys, and she's a junior. And then while it's fun sneaking around, Lee finds out about the two of them and everything just blows the hell up. Lee won't talk to Elle. And then Elle gets mad at Noah and she won't talk to Noah. And it's a whole high school shitstorm. Finally, mm-hmm. Elle sees Lee at the arcade and he invites her to dance with him. You know, dance, dance, revolution. And they reconcile, which is good because that's kind of how they've always been throughout the years. Elle decides to go to prom with Lee and Rachel. Remember the girl who kissed Which is him. now his girlfriend, yeah, I think. and they're dating. And the prom theme is memories. She's, you know, Elle's depressed, but this is, you know, she's still going to go and have fun. She's going to make do. So this, this theme is a final look back on who we were at the very moment we were looking forward to who we want to become. I just wrote that down because mm-hmm. that, that was the line. And there's these massive black, black and white photographs on the walls of their memory lane, including the photos of the kissing booth. And she's kind of like, oh, man, that was, those were good times. And yeah. ju- just then, Noah emerges from the back, asking Elle to the stage and confessing his love for her in front of everyone. But she runs away. And yep. he he later sees Lee at home. He apologizes to Lee, telling him his feelings for Elle are serious, despite the fact he knows he's leaving for college the next day or whatever, like soon. Right, like immediately. Yeah, <laughs> and at Elle and Lee's birthday, so they every year they have like a birthday costume party, which, by the way, I think is really fun, and I kind of want to do that. Um, so Elle and Lee are having their birthday because, of course, you guys, they were born on the same day, besties, besties. Um, they kind of have it out. Because she says, she's like, being my best friend doesn't give you the right to tell me who I should love, you know? We, and she's like, we made up our rules when we were six. And she reveals that, like, she says, I love Noah and I want him. I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you. I love him with all my heart. And you're just like, oh, high school first love. Oh, oh high terms. school love. Yeah. So, you know, the two best friends, they've already been through so much. And they've been growing up in this, in this year. So Lee gives, gives in and basically is like, you have my blessing. So go find Noah. And so she hops in Lee's car and with the same costume that Lee had on, she's sharing her feelings for Noah with who she thinks is Lee dressed in the Batman costume. Only to discover it's Noah in the costume. What? (laughs) The old switcheroo. Yeah. He's like, you don't have to confess the love because it's me. I mean, (laughs) it's silly, but I still loved it. (laughs) I did. And then, you know, and it's also just, I don't know. It's 
sparkly. I like it. Ellen Noah spend the last weeks together before he leaves for college. And it's a really sad goodbye. I, I was just thinking like first love is so intense, but you know, he has to go to college and, and what will next year be like? Watching him go, she's like unsure if the relationship will last. Maybe things really would work out with Noah. She maybe hopes they, won't. they would, and maybe they wouldn't. And no matter how much she wanted it, things couldn't stay the way they were forever. But no matter what happens, he would always have a little place of her heart. And then she mm-hmm. would have his motorcycle because she rides off on his motorcycle from the right. from LAX. And uh, surprisingly empty LAX. I know. Again, I had so many issues like, with was... Los Angeles of the movie. Exactly. <laughs> Anyone watching this movie would be like thinking LA is completely different. But it does fantas- you know, romanticize it all. And I, I kind of, in- I'm into that a little bit too. So Yeah, I mean, I think before I lived here, yeah. I, I oh, probably totally. thought that I could jump from the beach to the Hollywood sign to the airport yeah. all like that you I know mean, and when you say it that way maybe it is a disservice to people because it's not like that at all it no. everywhere you're gonna go at least 45 minutes ish but anyways all in all i feel like this rom-com really captures some of those like highs and lows in first love it's cheesy but i feel like a lot of it is rooted in truth because i feel mm-hmm. i could relate to some i don't know why but i i don't know whatever but you know like the best friend fights discovering love and like understanding attraction and and ending and the ending that is not tied up in like a perfect bow i i i love that like you know because it was sad in the end too like it was good but it was it made me like it was real it was like he's gonna leave because he's going to college and that's what happens and um, but he when didn't like come it, running out, you know, yes. like rom-com style and be like, I've decided not to go to Harvard and spend my life with you. Oh, right. Avrin, right. Which for a second, I was like, is he going to do that? And well, then I'm she says, throw something at the TV. And know? I love her. I love this character of Elle because she's like, don't even look back and wave, okay? Because that's just cheesy. Right. And I don't want you to do that. And you can see him like hesitate for a second. I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie. It was a smash hit. Like people... Yeah fucking love this movie and it is mm-hmm. cheesy and people can watch it and be like this is not my my genre but if you, you I feel like you could still enjoy it I don't know I mean I definitely enjoyed watching it I was laughing at myself though as I was reacting to certain things where I was yeah. like am I just too am I getting it to an age where I could no longer just lose myself in the yeah. glorious teenage romance because all I kept yeah. thinking, Vanya, through several moments in this movie, and I don't want this to come across as like heightist or sizeist or whatever, but like she is four feet oh, tall yeah, and true. he is seven feet tall. <laughs> and it looks like, like a yeah. ginormous man is doing things to a small child oh every God. time. <laughs> like when they were in that gazebo the first time in the rain, I couldn't even appreciate it because I was oh, like, really? he has to physically bend in half to kiss her. Oh, that's so funny. And I, I don't know what it was, but I was like, she's a small little child. There was and a he's point. A jo- I mean, and they're the same age. They are. It's obvious. Oh, yeah. But it's like, there's a two foot height difference. Yeah. But I don't want to be like a heightist or is that a thing? A size, like a, a height, like ist of somebody who judges uh, yeah. height differences in relationships because people's height are their height and you can't control it's it. It's true. But I couldn't stop just being like, he's just, I wonder, crush her. I wonder if the and reason that And then also he was real me. violent. Yeah, well, that's true. But I wonder if it didn't bother me because I was always pretty short. 
Yeah. I'm and tall. so I did. So maybe really I was like, tall what guys the hell? in my life, you know? And so yeah. it didn't bother me. But I, I will say there is a point where at the end, I think it's when they're saying goodbye at the airport. I'm like, they could like have her stand on an apple box or something. Like I literally was crazy. like, Tom Cruise got an apple box. Yeah. Like, and, and mostly just for like the shot itself. Like exactly. I just remember in the gazebo being taken out of this like yeah. romantic moment because I was like, that poor teenage boy has to physically bend at the waist in half. That is bizarre. Yeah. To have a makeout moment with this girl. And then again, of course, there was the LA thing. And I know they addressed his like violent behavior, but I just felt like yeah. the calls also kind of glossed over it. And it was interesting too, because out of nowhere, he went to Harvard. Right. When they were kind of suggesting he was like a dumb football player the entire movie. Like I when she know. was teasing him, like, oh, it's nice to see you reading a book, you know? And I was like, I don't understand that's some of you're this. right that's stupid that's so silly and i love that everyone always in movies always goes to the ivy leagues like that's happened in so many movies we watched i'm just like everybody ends up at harvard yeah Good that makes you. me think we should do we should do legally blonde oh absolutely <laughs> i put it on the list baby i put it on this put it oh, on and the I, list. so i can't wait to hear what this inspired you to uh come up with to find so it's so funny because I did obviously watch the film, but I picked my crime before I watched the movie just based off of what I knew about sure, it. Sure. And I and I think that had I watched it first, I might have gone in a different direction. Like I might have gone looking for a crime about a highly controlling, possessive man who dictates a woman's life and it leads to something sure. bad. I'm sure I could have found that. Initially, oh, yeah. my thoughts my thoughts were based on what I knew the movie was about. I was looking at, you know, like maybe brothers who kill one another or one brother kills another over a girl or um, what else was I looking at? Like just like teenage killers. <laughs> I always go yeah, that route when we yeah. do high school ones. <clears throat> but ultimately what it felt like the movie was about was like having a, like a behind your friend's back secret relationship. So I typed in like secret relationship leads to murder. And yeah. I stumbled a across this crime that is... One of the wildest, craziest, like, twist, turn, what the actual hell happened here, oh. unsolved murder that I'm <gasps> going to tell you about, um, that doesn't actually, I feel like, parallel this movie at all, but at its core is Secrets. So that's my tie-in, is secret secrets yeah. are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone, and sometimes they lead to Ooh, to murder. Uh -oh. So I'm going to tell you the story of Rachel Del Tondo. Uh, who was a, um, in 2018, at the time of her death, she was 33 years old. She was absolutely beautiful. We'll post, um, we can post some photos when we do like our, our stories and whatnot. Like she's truly like, she could be a movie star. Pretty. Really? Mm-hmm. And she was a beautiful, kind teacher. And things in Rachel's life seemed to be going really well until everything just completely imploded. Secrets. Mm. Okay. So important to note that Rachel was from a close-knit Italian family. In fact, at the age of 33, she still lived with her parents because like Ita in Italian style, you stay at home until you get married. Right. Um, and they all lived in Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, which is a small town of less than 10,000 people about 30 minutes away from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And at one time was like a booming steel town, but like every booming steel town has yeah. since seen rapid decline. Now, Something to note about Aliquippa. So it's a small town-ish, you know, like less than 10,000 people. But it was, it had like big town crime problems. So like organized crime issues. Also completely understaffed and underfunded and most likely corrupt police. In fact, in the year that uh, Rachel was murdered, it happened in May of 2018, there were 
currently eight unsolved homicides before her homicide Ooh. in a town that small. So the police were like not good at solving crimes. <laughs> um, and that's like a pretty, that's like what, 1% if there's, if there's, or I mean less than 1%, but that's 10, like a, 000, a yeah. that's a lot of people, like a lot of unsolved murders in a pretty small town where everyone kind of knows everyone. But there was that dark underbelly of crime. Okay. So we're going to go backwards a little bit. In 2015, uh, Rachel's on-again, off-again boyfriend of five years, a gentleman named Frank Catropa, uh, finally proposed to her on a trip to Paris. And he proposed with like a gorgeous six-carat diamond ring. Also, uh, just sidebar, I got all of my, my sources for this are uh, were an episode of 48 Hours. And then um, this like timeline, if you Google it, it's called like the Beaver Countian, which is like the local newspaper they had like a detailed timeline of all the events surrounding this so that's my sources for this anyway so he proposes after five years of them dating like mostly on but you know on again off again and she'd been pressuring him you know she's like i want to get married and move out of my yes i was gonna say (laughs) get me the hell out of my mom and dad's basement So he finally proposes on a trip to Paris. And now if Rachel was like a well-known, well-loved teacher in Aliquippa, Frank was basically like a local legend. So he was the son of a police officer. And with only a high school diploma, Frank had started two companies and was the CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation. Yes. And in a local online article, he was referred to as the Wolf of Aliquippa, you know, like a play on the Wolf of Wall Street. So he was like a rich, rich dude. Okay. So now once the couple got engaged, the wedding planning commenced as it does. Now, deposits were put down on banquet halls and a $10,000 wedding dress. And then Frank asked Rachel to sign a prenup. Now, Rachel told friends that she would happily sign a prenup. She did not want him thinking that she was marrying him for his millions um, and that she was happy to sign it. Her mom was not thrilled that he wanted her to sign a prenup. She was like, no, I didn't want my daughter to sign any prenup from anyone. That was on the 48 Hours episode. (laughs) Um, But then when it came time for Rachel to actually sign it, she refused to. And so all of the wedding planning came to a screeching halt. So... They basically become unengaged because she's unwilling to sign the prenup, but they still date. They're still dating, but they're no longer engaged, and it's awkward for everyone. Her family is pissed at him. There's some money lost on all that wedding deposit stuff. Um, But they continued to see each other, and Rachel just lied about it to her family. Like, she just didn't mention that they didn't break up. They just got unengaged. (laughs) Um, But that was adding a, a strain on their obviously already strained relationship. Like once you decide to get married and then decide not to, I don't really know how you go forward from there, but they persevered. So they're still dating, but it's, it's a little bit, you know, awkward all around. Now on Super Bowl weekend in 2016, wealthy Frank uh, Catropa, he was at the Super Bowl because you know, that's what you do when you have money to spend. So he went to the Super Bowl with some friends, including some female friends, and Rachel was not happy about that. This is another example of some of the stress and strain in their relationship. And Rachel was like, she was pissed. She was like, we're still dating, even though we're not telling people about it. You can't go on like trips with other women. And Frank said on that 48 Hours episode that when he got back from this trip, Rachel had begun acting like paranoid. She kept telling him that people were following her and bothering her. 
And he would say like, who, what people? And she would never really name names, but she did allude multiple times that some of the people bothering her were members of the Aliquippa police. So the police part, like police officers in the town. Um, but here's the thing. Rachel had a reason to be nervous because she was hiding a big secret from former fiance Frank. Now, while Frank had been at the Super Bowl, Rachel met up with 17-year-old Sheldon Jeter, who was a kid that was never her student, but he was a, a kid that attended an elementary school that she was like a, a practically like permanent substitute teacher for for several months. And she was the kind of teacher that did stay in touch with students. She was like a very like kind, thoughtful. She was really like well-liked and thought highly of as a teacher. And I guess they kind of kept in touch over the years since since she met him when in elementary school. Anyway, um, he, sorry, let me turn the page here. Uh, Rachel, this is the, to, this is what Rachel told her best friend, Jen. All right, this is how we have this information. So she said that Sheldon had Facebook messaged her saying that he was having a hard time and that he needed someone to talk to. So Rachel agreed to meet up with him. She drove to Circle K. Sheldon was in the parking lot. He got in her car and the two were talking. Just talking because he needed to talk, right? This was around 11 p.m. when two police officers knocked on her window asking if everything was okay because there was a two people in a car, I guess, in a parking lot, yeah. a gas station parking lot. Um, anyway, uh, Rachel told Jen that she told the police everything was fine, that they were just talking. But then she asked the police officers, remember small town, she asked the police officers, please don't tell Frank about this because it'll make him angry. Like, don't tell him that you found me in a car with a 17-year-old boy at 11 p.m. Um, so now Jen isn't buying this completely. She's like, okay. But she flat out asks Jen. She's like, are you, or sorry, Jen asks Rachel, is, were you, are you cheating on Frankie? Is that, or is that what was going on? Like, were you, was something sexual happening in the car? And that's why the police approached you guys? Um but Rachel was like, no, absolutely not. Nothing like that was going on. We were just talking. Uh, but Jen could not shake the feeling that her friend was not being honest. Now, it should be noted that on this night, this incident did happen, right, where the police, like, knocked on the car window and the two of them were in the car. There was no incident report filed and no charges were filed because no laws were broken. Right. Even even if she did cop to, like, that they were boning in the car, uh, he wasn't her student. He was 17. The legal age of consent in Pennsylvania is 16. So there's no laws being broken. Oh, wow. um, but it should be noted that that night, the police did not like file the incident in a report or press any charges or even tell Sheldon's parents about it. Um, okay. So Rachel and Frank continued to see each other. And one thing that Frank did every year was throw himself a huge birthday party at a bar in downtown Aliquippa. So it's that big birthday party. It's 2016. And um, Jen, the one who recounted the story that Rachel told her about the night with the car, hadn't seen her friend in months. And she goes to the party and she finally sees Rachel for the first time in a while. And she's stunned at what to her seemed concerning, that Rachel looked bad and she was acting jittery. And Jen became convinced that she was like on drugs or something. Mm. Like she just seemed not like herself. So she confronted her about it. She was like, "Are something's wrong. Like, what's what's wrong? You're, are you on drugs? What are you doing? Do you need help? Can we help you? Rachel denied it. The two got into a heated argument. And then Rachel hit <gasps> Jen in the face. Oh, she's on drugs. Mm. 
Now, when Frank comes over to be like, yo, there's a bar fight happening at my birthday party. <laughs> no, so he's, he's like, what's going on? And Jen, in bad best friend style, fully gives up Rachel's secret that she begged her friend to keep for her about what happened with that car incident. And she says to Frank that you should ask her what she was doing in her car with that high school boy. Oh, That's her response God. when he comes over to be like, what's going on? So Frank turns around to Rachel and she tells him the same exact story that she told Jen. But Frank stands by her. He believes her. But even though he stood by her and he told her it was fine, it kept bothering him. Like he kept replaying like the story in his head and something was nagging at him. So eventually he decided that if he was going to continue to date Rachel, potentially maybe even eventually go back to the idea of marrying her, that he just needed to get the facts of the of of the night in question. So he goes to the police department and he asks to see the incident report. Now, technically, to see a police report, you have to file paperwork. You have to like go through the process of like requesting documents so certain things can be redacted, like, you know, personal information of the people involved. Um, But you know, Frank's dad had been a cop and he's like the wolf of Aliquippa. So they're like, okay, you can take a peek at this. Now, remember when I said that no report or charges had been filed the night that Rachel and Sheldon were found in her car? Right. Because they weren't. But someone did write up an incident report over a year later on May 2nd of 2017. Now, when the investigation gets underway and the police are asked, why did you write up the report a year later? Normally, incident reports reports are filed like in real time or before the shift ends. That's right. how that works, right? So memories are clear. <laughs> details are clear. And um, police's response were... Uh, we wrote this up just in case anyone got wind of it. But like, what is it? Like, no crime was committed. Hmm. You know, so like, what do you mean get wind of it? It's just two people in a car, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, it sounds like a drug deal happening. I mean, drugs could be part of the story. But police do agree to let Frank see this report that was written a year later. Weird. And he is shocked to discover from the report, that the details of the night as the police laid it out are quite different from the story that Rachel had been telling. So per the police report, police pulled up behind Rachel's car at 2 (gasps) a.m., not 11 p.m., and the car was parked in an abandoned parking lot behind a hospital, not at the Circle K. Uh The windows were steamed up, which indicated to the police that the car had been there for a long time, and the front passenger seat was fully reclined back. So, Frank is like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. she wasn't in a public gas station parking lot that was well lit. She was in a, like, abandoned back alley parking lot at 2 o'clock in the morning with the passenger seat reclined. He's upset. He's like, may I please take this report with me? Um, and they let him take it. Uh, and that report didn't just include details of the night, but it was the non-redacted that they just handed him the whole thing. It had personal info like social security numbers and addresses and f- like driver's license photos. And uh, a few days later, on October 26th of 2017, an anonymous email containing the incident report was sent to Rachel's employer, to county and state agencies, to the media, and to all of Rachel's friends and family. Now, Frank denies 
ever sharing this email like he doesn't he swears up and down he did not send this email out anonymously but he will say that he took the incident report and he did show it to some friends because he was like I don't know what to do with this but swears that he had nothing to do with the anonymous email blast that would basically blow up Rachel's whole life so that was the beginning of the end Rachel was suspended from her job pending an investigation Frank officially ended their relationship and she was basically like a social pariah like her friends abandoned her because they're painting it as this you know like teacher sleeping with the student and you know was the girlfriend of a very powerful important person in the community now at the same time and because of this anonymous email with leaked private information um the pennsylvania state police actually open up a criminal investigation into the aliquippa police department because clearly there's like something's not right there if you're just handing out yeah. people's personal information. So now jobless, living with her, her parents, feeling very sad. At one point, her mom and dad actually said on the 48 Hours episode that she, she was admitted to a, a psychiatric ward for three days. Like that's how low oh, yeah. she was, which I can only imagine. But in 20, uh, sorry, December of 2017, Rachel begins speaking as a confidential source to a reporter at that, um, the Beaver County. I remember the place I told you I got the timeline. And on top of being the confidential source to this journalist who's looking into these allegations of police corruption and misconduct and all of that, she's also cooperating with state police and the organized crime section of the state's, uh, of the state general attorney's office. Now, She's giving the uh, state police and the, uh, what is it, the GA, the GA, the general attorney, Uh attorney general, AG. It's the AG. I wrote it backwards. (laughs) She's giving them information about the Aliquippa police, but they're also asking her a bunch of questions about Frank, her former fiance, because apparently there's also an investigation into him and his businesses as part of this like corruption investigation. Around this time, Rachel also begins receiving death threats, including a message left on Rachel's parents' machine that said that Rachel wouldn't live to see the end of 2018. Police were slow to respond to this threat, which unfortunately would be made good on. So this part's the kicker. This is so sad. On May 13th, 2018, which was Mother's Day, Rachel went out with friends to get ice cream. She was dropped off at around like 10.44 p.m., And just one minute later, after hearing multiple gunshots, Rachel's parents came outside their home and saw their daughter lying at the end of their driveway. She was dead. She'd been shot 10 times in the torso at close range by a 9-millimeter gun. All right, so I want to kind of walk through the night leading up to her murder. So Rachel was hanging out with her best friend, 18-year-old Lauren Watkins. Now, her parents were concerned about this relationship she's 33 years old and like her best friend in the world at this moment in time is an 18 year old high school student but she'd also been like ostracized by all of her friends and so part of me is like you know like you we always talk about this human connection is important you know and it's like if none of your friends want anything to do with you anymore I think it started off like she was helping her with like college essays and stuff and then they just became like besties that like to drive around and listen to music Okay, so she's hanging out with her friend, 18-year-old Lauren Watkins. They're driving around, listening to music. Um, And at one point on the day of Rachel's murder, they drove past Sheldon Jeter. Now, that's the 17-year-old boy that she was in the car with. Um, They drove past him in a car full of people, and Sheldon actually Facebook messaged Lauren asking if he had just passed them. Like, did I just drive past you guys? 
And she said yes. He asked what they were up to, but Lauren didn't answer. Around 9.30, Lauren drove Rachel back to her parents to pick up a sweatshirt. And then they were going to go head to uh, Hank's for some ice cream. I guess Hank's is the local ice cream place. On the way to Hank's, they picked up 26-year-old Tyree Jeters. Jeters, yep, that's right. That would be Sheldon's bigger brother, his older brother, Tyree, the two women picked up to go get ice cream with. So I also got brothers in my story. Oh, look at that. Okay, now, in the hour before her death, Tyree and Sheldon, so the brothers, are texting. At 10.07 p.m., Sheldon texts, is y'all there already? At 10.15 p.m., Sheldon texts, I got left, huh? With a couple of smiley face emojis. And at 10.30 p.m., Tyree texted Sheldon, Hank's closed. So, like, ice cream stores closed. So it should just be noted that it appears Sheldon was very much aware of where Rachel was this evening. Like, where, where she was, at what time. And all of those things. But curiously, another text exchange was going on at the exact same time. Lauren was texting Rachel, even though they were still in the car together. She sent a text that said, go for a walk and I'll come pick you up after. Which is weird because they're in the car together. But Lauren actually explains that they weren't planning on calling it a night. They still wanted to like hang out and have like girl time and all that stuff. But they didn't want Tyree to be there. So she was going to pretend to drop Rachel off at home, take Tyree home and then come back and get Rachel. And they just drive around some more and listen to music. Uh, So that's what that meant when she was like, just go for a walk and then I'll come pick pick Uh. you up. Uh, But again, kind of confusing. Uh, So that was the plan. But uh, before she could get back, Rachel would have been shot 10 times. Now, The day after the murder, police execute a search warrant for Sheldon Jeter's cell phone, call records, and geolocation, right? Just to see, like, where was he? Because they're aware of the, you know, the situation with him and the potentially, like, sexual relationship that might have been going on there. Um, Also, the day after Rachel's murder, police sergeant Keith Watkins was put on administrative leave for possibly contaminating the crime scene. Because he showed up at the crime scene the night of the murder when he was off duty and he crossed crime scene tape even when fellow officers were telling him to stay back, stay out of this crime scene. But then police chief Couch stated publicly that Watkins was on leave to preserve the integrity of the case because of his daughter's association with it. Because Sergeant Keith Watkins, oh yeah, that's Lauren Watkins' dad, the girl that was driving her and hanging with her that night. Oh, weird. Oh my gosh. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I should also mention that Sergeant Keith Watkins was also one of the two police officers that discovered Rachel and Sheldon in her car that night and was the officer that wrote up the incident report. Now, on May 16th, former fiance, Frank Frank Catropa, went to the media to like express his sorrow. He then, lawyer in tow, went to the police station to answer any and all questions. But Frank had an alibi. There was video camera footage which showed him entering his apartment complex And then he never exited again until the next morning, and he entered well before the time of her murder. And his new girlfriend corroborated his alibi. She was with him. May 17th, 2018, a second search warrant is issued at Sheldon's home for his computer, journals, the clothing he was wearing that night. Now, this warrant was granted based on possible motive, right? Because you have to have a reason to, like, execute search warrants. So this one was granted based on possible motive because it turns out that Frank Catropa had moved on and had a new girlfriend, but he wasn't the only one. Rachel also had a new relationship. She was dating someone new and had been for the past six months. 
and his name was Rayshon. He was 31 years old, and he was also another brother of Sheldon Jeter's. What? Mm-hmm. I wrote, what the fuck is yeah. happening? Also, when police further investigated, they realized that the clothing that Sheldon gave them, that he said he was wearing that night, so he handed it over, right? And then they were looking at, like, footage uh, from, like, gas station surveillance and all that. It wasn't the same clothes he was wearing. So he gave them the wrong clothing. So, again, that's suspect. All righty. On May 21st of 2018... So this is all what she was shot on May 13th. So we're still like within the first two weeks here. Police execute a search warrant for the Facebook data of Stephanie Watkins, the wife of Keith and mother of Lauren. So in like basically the first week, police are bouncing from it was Sheldon. It was Frank. It was Sheldon to maybe the Watkins are involved in this. And it appears in this small town that I guess everyone is, is a suspect at this point. So a little less than a month later, the community is frustrated, like, this is a small town. They should be able to figure out who did this. And it's been a month and they have nothing, right? So on June 6th of 2018, the Aliquippa Council unanimously vote police chief Couch out of his job and place him on administrative leave. And he is replaced by assistant police chief Joseph Percival, who immediately announces at the city council meeting that he is going to turn the investigation of Rachel's murder over to the state police, since the Aliquippa police have no business investigating her murder after it's disclosed that she was helping the state police and the state's AG's office in a criminal case against this police department that's investigated. Like, they should never have been the department to investigate this because she was actively, like, basically a CI. Yeah. um, Helping the state police try to take the Aliquippa police down. Um. So this new Joseph Percival, the new police chief, is like, we're going to turn this over to the state police. We had no business investigating this. But then wouldn't you know, Vanya, just two days after taking over as chief, Percival is arrested and charged with felony distribution of sexually explicit material to a minor, felony unlawful contact with a minor, and misdemeanor corruption of minors. Now, the minor in question is none other than Lauren Watkins, the 17-year-old daughter of police sergeant Keith Watkins. Now, what happened was that I guess Percival sent a lewd video of a pantsless woman taking a wee on a swing to, (laughs) so crazy, to a group chat with Keith, Stephanie, and Lauren. Now, Percival insists that he was his, he was trying to send it to Keith. I don't know why you got to send anyone a video of a pantsless woman peeing on a swing. <laughs> but he was trying to send it to his coworker and buddy and accidentally sent it to a group chat. And I, in, my, in his defense, that does, that shit happens. Yeah, I like mean, I've done Every once in a while, sure. you're like, oh, God, that text from my husband was meant for me, not my whole family. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I buy that it's possible that sure. he didn't intend to send this. But the, the message in question had been sent months prior. So why is he being charged with this now? Is it because he planned on turning Rachel's murder over to the state police? Or because it was only now discovered on Lauren's phone because that was now an evidence oh, as part maybe. of the investigation. So it's like, what, it could be either one, right? Like, he's basically being removed from his position by being arrested because they're like, no, we're keeping this in-house. Or they just only discovered it because Lauren's phone was part of evidence in the investigation. Okay, so on June 9th of 2018, Aliquippa gets their third police chief in three days. So it's literally like down. And did I mention at the beginning that this was a highly understaffed, underfunded police department? So they're getting smaller and smaller by the day. Um, And they appoint uh, the, the police captain 
basically is now playing double duty, Captain Robert Seelock. And he does, at this point, it's just getting like ridiculous. The media surrounding all of this is, you know, it's taking over the story. So he's like, we're handing this over to the state police. And then nothing. That was 2018. It's 2022. No arrests have ever been made. Uh, the case is still open and active, according to the state police. But one of the suspects is currently behind bars. So on May 15th of 2020, Sheldon Jeter went out for ice cream with his friend and roommate, Tyreek Pugh. But Sheldon was the only one who came home. Tyreek was found shot seven times at close range. And when police searched Sheldon's place, they found the murder weapon, which is a uh, 380 semi-automatic. So that's not the same type of gun. Okay. She was shot with a nine millimeter, but they found the 380 semi-automatic handgun underneath Sheldon's bed. He was arrested and charged with first degree murder. And then in 2021, Sheldon went on trial and he was found guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison. Oh. So my question is this. Police say they're closing in on the murderer, like especially in light of him being arrested and put in jail. Because a lot of people were like, he went to jail for murder, but he was also like one of the prime suspects in this unsolved murder that really rocked the community. Um, And so obviously I will keep you up to date if there's any, you know, if they do in fact charge someone with this. But I just found this to be such a twist and turn. Like who, there's the motive is there for so many different, there's the corrupt police department that she was actively helping investigate yeah there's a fiance who was humiliated by what she did um and then also turns out she was answering questions about him in this investigation as well and then there was a 17 year old boy who was obsessed with her and they did according to now he's he does say that they had a sexual relationship her family says that he was obsessed and that she was just trying to be kind to him it does seem kind of weird if, if he was obsessed and they had had a sexual relationship that she would be hanging out with one of his brothers and then dating one of his brothers. It's like. Yeah, that's kind of mean. It, it, it feels mean and she didn't seem like she was like a mean person. So like there is, you know, she's not here to tell us her side of the story. And I just I don't know. Obviously, Sheldon has now killed another friend by shooting them multiple times at close range yeah. but nobody that night ever saw anything lauren dropped her off at 10 44 she was shot she was found dead at 10 45 how could she not have heard huh. anything you can hear a gunshot from oh, miles yeah. away so how could she not have heard anything and then also how could she not have seen anything it was at close range meaning like the person had to come up to her and no one ever saw anyone running her parents came out immediately they didn't see anyone running away they didn't see a car drive away It's all just like so insane and bizarre. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, all right, well, I don't know that this necessarily is a great parallel theme wise. However, secrets can lead, you know, to feelings of loneliness and being disconnected from the people you love. And then in the worst case scenario can lead to, you know, people feeling the need to take your life. Uh, And then also there was the, the twist with like the multiple brothers who all seem to have like either a friendship or relationship with Rachel. Interesting. No, I think it's a good Mm -hmm. tie in. I think you did a great job. I it's, I kind of want to watch the 48 hours because I feel like I need, like I need someone to tell me who killed her. I I know. And it's it's definitely, it's not, they're not going to tell you, but you can see their faces, you know, while they're answering these questions. And I, I feel like sometimes that's helpful to watch somebody proclaim their innocence. 
and there was like yeah there was even like more crazy shit you know that's more peripheral stuff and I was like gotta keep it tight average but I was just like this is a wild story it is it's so strange when like you know law enforcement's in a small community because it feels yeah. less like I don't know official I'm not really sure but right or it feels less productive yeah. or help I mean it's like a small town as I mentioned before Rachel was murdered there were Eight, cur- eight currently unsolved homicides, and she made nine. That's just in 2018. Yeah, something's off. So obviously, like, crime is rampant there, and then they have inadequate police. Yeah. It's tough. And, and or corrupt police, you know, like you one or, or know. both. You never know. Um, and so just, it's like a small town where they, the police definitely can't keep their citizens safe and potentially are the reason they aren't mm-hmm. safe, you know? Well, I'll tell you what I learned. I learned that you do not send inappropriate shit to anybody on text. No. You just, sh- nope, maybe, nope, maybe nope, if you nope, really nope. want to show somebody, be like, look at my phone. This is funny, friend. That is of equal yeah. stature as me, not a young person. Because mm-hmm. that is not good. That's no bueno. No bueno. That's no bueno. Oh um, I, I learned, yeah, that it's important to uh, not keep secrets. That's true. And... I guess maybe never go out for ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So sad. Just like, and also her mom, it happened on Mother's Day. She clearly was like super close with her family. And it's just, and they still have no answers. God, that's awful. Yeah. Well, thank you for that story, Avrin. Um, Next week, I'm going to come at y'all with a rom drum. I'm stoked. Yeah, a rom drum. Not a rom com, rom drum. A rom drum. Very excited about it. I gotta figure out my crime for that. We love you so much, Rom Criminals. We'll see you next Tuesday. Rom Criminals.